This episode is brought to you by Roundtable Group, the experts on experts. We've been connecting attorneys with experts for over 25 years. Find out more at roundtablegroup.com. Hello, this is Dan Rubin with Roundtable Group, the leading customized expert search and referral service. At Roundtable Group, our extensive expert witness network includes some of the top experts in the world, a select handful of whom are exclusive to us. Among those preeminent exclusive experts is Dr. Stephen Heppe, who I have the distinct pleasure of introducing to you today. Dr. Heppe, your CV is available on the Roundtable Group website, but can you describe the highlights? Well, my career is centered, actually, on electrical engineering and computer science, but that includes a bunch of subtopics like GPS, radio communications, military and civilian SATCOM, computer networks, and cellular networks, like cellular telephones that we all use today. I've been really lucky, actually. I've had great colleagues and mentors, and I've been part of several companies over the years that have been at the forefront of some of the most revolutionary changes in these fields over the last 40 years. For example, I spent 16 years at Stanford Telcom, which was one of the earliest companies developing GPS technology for the, for the military. Um, and I helped develop one of the first precision guidance systems for military aircraft. I've worked on international standards for GPS augmentations that we all use today. And more recently, I was chief scientist at Institu, which is now part of Boeing. Institu was one of the early success stories in small drones or UAVs. Um, our first fielded product at Institu was called Scan Eagle, which has been widely used by the Marines in the Middle East and also by the U.S. Navy. Tell us more about your experience with UAVs at Institu. How did that evolve? It was actually back in 2002. My old roommate from Princeton had become the CEO of Insitu, and he needed a precision GPS navigation system for the aircraft. It needed to fly itself into a vertically suspended cable that was hanging over the side of a ship. And of course, that can be a pretty challenging problem. The UAV or the drone is being buffeted by the winds. The ship is pitching and rolling in the waves. And uh, in order to hit that cable, it turns out that was a fairly tricky proposition back in 2002. So I joined the company back at that time to work on that problem and was able to achieve and develop a system that actually achieved about a one centimeter um, navigation accuracy as it approached the rope. I also worked on the development of the radio and video downlink system for the aircraft, the ground communication system and the fiber optic data distribution system. That sounds like a varied portfolio, to say the least. It was actually really exciting and rewarding, especially after the Marines selected us to help them in the Middle East back in 2003. Um, I've always liked small companies, and in situ was definitely a small company at that time. Small companies innovate quickly, and each person gets to try their hand at a number of different tasks. So it uh, really helps to develop the engineering staff and help to promote the overall engineering community as we move forward. How do you see GPS evolving in the future? We're using GPS in ways that were never conceived of when the system was first developed in the 60s and 70s, which is great. But as we're finding these new ways to use GPS, 
we're also uncovering some vulnerabilities that we didn't fully appreciate at the time. Uh, for example, it's possible to actually transmit signals to a GPS receiver that will fool the GPS or spoof it into thinking that it's in a different time or place. And that can be devastating if the GPS receiver is being used for important navigation functions or if the data from the GPS is being reported to a government agency or a third party that needs that information for safety purposes. Uh, this can be a pretty devastating problem. Is that spoofing difficult to do? In the early days, it was pretty finicky and expensive. But as technology has developed, it's actually become rather easy to pull that off. And there have been several examples in the literature um, and in practice where this has occurred. It can be a, a fairly significant problem. And because most of the GPS receivers these days are either embedded in cell phones or connected to the internet, that actually opens up additional trap doors and, and avenues for attack. How do we fix the spoofing problem? Uh, GPS has also evolved over time, and the new GPS downlink signals actually have some features in them that can be leveraged to add authentication and watermarks, if you will, that can be used to provide some protection against these sorts of attacks. While the general capability to implement those features exists in the new signals, those capabilities have not yet been fully implemented. So over time, and over the next 10 or 20 years, I'm expecting that that will actually be perhaps the next big revolution in GPS. What other expertise do you bring to bear besides GPS? So my career has actually been equally divided between GPS and communications. And as I said earlier, when I talk about communications, I really mean a fairly wide range. So radio, satcom, cellular, optical communications, computer networks, and the internet. How did you get started in communications? Well, I actually built my first radio in middle school, and I was doing optical communications in college, which was pretty early to be doing optical communications. That was back in 1977. Um, at Stanford Telecom, I worked on virtually every fielded DOD and NASA SATCOM or space project, I should say, uh, that you can talk about in the open literature. And some that were never fielded, like Reagan's Star Wars system, for example. Was all of that experience space-based? Initially, most of it was. But actually, over time, I evolved into aeronautical communications and the internet. So after the Soviet Union collapsed around 1990, I started to transition to aeronautical communication problems for the FAA. Um, I also provided some support to Global Star and Iridium, which are satellite-based systems, but in a sense, they're also elaborate cellular telephone communication systems using satellites instead of base stations. Um, and of course, a lot of our GPS applications today depend on cellular technology. Can you give us some examples of that? Almost all of us have a GPS receiver in our cell phones today. Um, those are used for mapping, navigation, and safety functions. So when you dial 911, for example, your phone is capable of reporting your position to the, uh, to the public safety access point and, and they can give it to the ambulance driver or the police or whatever. 
Um, that receiver is actually assisted by data that is transmitted over the cellular networks. And uh, when you share your location, of course, you're also using cellular networks and Wi-Fi networks in order to move that data around. This gets used for fleet tracking applications, when you share your location with your friends, when you annotate photos and so on. So it's all connected. Let's turn to your experience as an expert witness. Can you summarize that background? I've actually been working as an expert witness off and on for about 20 years now. I usually handle a few cases a year. So far, I've handled about 50 cases. Uh, they involve a variety of topics, patent infringement, IPRs, breach of contract, theft of intellectual property. I've even gotten involved in a few personal injury cases that involve GPS. And most of these cases involve at least an expert report and a deposition. Eight or nine of them out of the 50 have actually gotten to trial in state or federal court or a hearing at the uh, International Trade Commission. Based on that experience, how do you like to work with a legal team? I think coordination is, is really important. Um, there may be things that the legal team needs to keep from a technical expert from time to time, but part of my role as a technical expert is to help the legal team avoid technical rabbit holes, um, unwinnable theories, and technical dead ends that can uh, slow them down uh, or, or potentially threaten their case. So getting an early start and coordinating closely with the legal team uh, maximizes the likelihood of a desirable outcome. I think it also tends to minimize overall cost for the client because it avoids wasted work. Do you like to write your own reports? Yes, uh, I'm actually pretty good at it. I usually prepare the first draft and then I do a few cycles with the legal team to refine the report and make sure that I've addressed all the issues to their satisfaction. What's the advantage of writing your own reports? So by building my own report within the scope that they define, that the legal team defines, I guarantee that I'm familiar with all the evidence affecting my opinions in the case. And I'm confident that I can also stand behind every sentence in the report. And I'm assured because I've written the report and worked through all the technical arguments that my opinions are well supported by the evidence and that I can handle any question that comes up at deposition or trial. Dr. Heppe, thank you so much for your time today. Do you have any final words for our audience? I've been very fortunate to have a, a varied career. Um, it's more than just GPS and communications. And I'm now pursuing some projects involving stratospheric airships and robotics. And I'm very excited about my newest project, which is related to truth-telling on the internet. So please check out my CV and the blog entries and reach out to me through the Roundtable group. Thank you.